25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to the Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey. Let me clear my throat. So y'all didn't even hear that because I turned the microphone off. <laughs> You're the lucky one. Welcome in. It is Friday. Hallelujah. Y'all happy it's Friday? Yeah, and for so many, you're getting out of school. I know that's the way it is in the Wyatt household is uh, this was the last week of first grade. And while, um, you know, certainly looking ahead to the summer is uh, fun. And, uh, yeah, swimming is ahead. And, of course, the warm temperatures, the hot temperatures are here. Off time, sleep late in the morning, all that kind of stuff. I just, I know my little one is, is uh, sad. It was a tearful day yesterday for my little first grader saying goodbye to her teacher at Carver Elementary School in Tupelo. Um, uh, Dr. Anita McGraw, they were really close, had a great year. My daughter absolutely loved it, and she was really sad that school's over. Yeah, I don't ever remember being sad. <laughs> When school is over, um, she's such a better student and person, frankly, than than I was or am. Welcome in to this Friday edition live from Hoover, Alabama. Excuse me there. Hoover, Alabama. Yeah, still here. You've got this will be day four. Yeah, day four of the SEC baseball tournament. Last night was another late night for Mississippi State fans, but certainly not as late as the night before back on Wednesday night. This one ended in regulation. Vanderbilt, a one to nothing win. Dad and I sat in there for all of it. Big crowd for that game. And uh, it was just an incredible game from a pitching standpoint. Um, defensive standpoint, you know, there was one error. It was made by the Vanderbilt shortstops. There was one error all game long. A lot of that's because there were so few balls put in play by either team because the pitching on both sides was just dominant. We'll get into that. I'm going to recap that for you coming up right now. And then uh, also there's big news kind of on the athletics front, just not um, necessarily, uh, you know, uh, someone ha- something happening or someone coming here to the state of Mississippi. Instead, it's someone leaving. And uh, we'll get into that as well. So here we go. Live from the SEC tournament, Hoover, Alabama, day four. There's no game going on right now but there will be later this afternoon. First game of the day scheduled for about 3.30 this afternoon, so no morning games uh, today. So it is sort of, you know, a little bit of a a ghost town. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like out here right now. (laughs) It is. Uh, But but still, we're here and getting ready for baseball uh, tonight. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau, local agents you can deal with. One-on-one. So the Farm Bureau studio picked it up, moved it to its own location a few hours east of the great state of Mississippi over here in Hoover, Alabama. And uh, all week long, we've been able to connect to you thanks to C Spire, 
the number one network in Mississippi. And we're not talking just about phones, also talking about radio shows and radio equipment. So uh, when you see your local C Spire truck riding down the road to go lay some fiber or make sure the tower's in good shape and all that kind of stuff, if you like this show, then give them a wave and tell them, hey, and tell them, appreciate you putting Matt on the air <laughs> because uh, they've been a big part of that this week over here uh, in Hoover, Alabama. Let me give you a heads up. Coming up later in the show, going to continue this thing I started yesterday. It's brand new to the show. If you're listening to this show, uh, it's new to you. You might have heard it. I've done this at other places in the past. It's a fun thing to do in the off season, and it's a great way to keep track of the uh, time remaining to the start of the college football season, but also learn a little bit about some of the schools and teams and schedules and, and that kind of thing. And it's an easy way to do it, a fun way to do it. A countdown of 100 college football teams in the final 100 days leading up to the start of the season. Yesterday was day number 100. So today is number 99. Today, Friday, May 24th, we are 99 days to August the 31st, which is the start of the college football season here in the state of Mississippi. There are games the week before, um, but we're 99 days from when uh, Southern Miss and Ole Miss and State are going to put it on a tee and start playing college football. So today, team number 99 on the countdown, and we'll get team number 98 in there because that would be tomorrow and there is no show on a Saturday. So we'll do teams number 99 and 98 today on the countdown. We're going to preview uh, the games you have coming up this afternoon. You got State and Ole Miss both involved in elimination games here at the uh, SEC baseball tournament. You know, and there's two different sets of criteria. Now you want to win. Every team that comes out here wants to win. We've talked about that. You know, the motivation for players is different than what it might be for a fan, for me and you, as we just kind of sit back and evaluate it on our own. But still, the uh, the absolute fact is. You know, it's an Ole Miss team that with every win that they can notch over a high RPI team like Arkansas, who they're playing today, like A&M, who they beat yesterday, it goes in a neutral site category. It improves their RPI a little bit, and it's going to improve their situation, their seeding, and maybe location a little bit in the postseason. And uh, so that helps. If you're Mississippi State, it's a little different. You're going to tee it up kind of almost for fun against LSU again tonight win or lose in this tournament, um, it's not going to change Mississippi State's situation uh, at all. They are a national seed and going to host in the postseason. Winning tonight, losing tonight doesn't change that. There are some people – I even had a conversation this morning with my dad who, you know, he said, I, look, if uh, – you know, you want to win, he goes, but you're going to pitch JT again tonight. You're looking at tomorrow is Saturday – they're going to start the regional either next Thursday or Friday. You almost kind of feel like it might be best for them just to lose tonight and get on home and start resting up and getting ready for the regional. And that's easy for us to say that, you know, as we kind of sit up in our seat in the stadium. But obviously the team's not going to look at it that way. They're going to try to go hit the ball and win. you got things you want to work on. But it's just a different set of priorities, a different motivation, if you want to call it that, uh, going into this elimination game for State. Versus maybe the way that Ole Miss team is looking at it. With every win Ole Miss has, they are um, kind of moving up in that pecking order. But it's not going to get them in the hosting realm. That's the thought anyway. Now, if they make a run and go win the championship this week, 
Maybe they're different, and it'll be interesting to see how that RPI would calculate. We came into the week with Ole Miss sitting there at about 30 or so in the um, RPI standings. Warren Nolan dot uh, com. I think that's the name of it. Yeah, Warren. No- well, I just know it's uh, Warren Nolan. Yeah, it is Warren Nolan dot com. He does a live RPI and tracks it after every day that there are games. And um, he can, you know, I say he, it's a team of people there. And, and they can be trusted. You can kind of go by that. So let me give you an example. Ole Miss sitting there now at 25, I'm sorry, 35 and 24 overall. Right? Yeah. So 35 and 24 overall. They, in this tournament, they have two wins and one loss. The one loss to that Arkansas team they're going to face again today. The two wins are over Missouri, who had a worse RPI, only slightly worse RPI, but still in the top 30 or so RPI. And then yesterday they had the win over Texas A&M, who's an RPI that was around 16 or 17. The the loss to Arkansas. We know that Arkansas was a team that is up there in the top 10 in the RPI. Ole Miss, according to Warren Nolan, has jumped up five spots in the RPI standings by going 2-1 and one so far in the SEC tournament. They started at 30. They're now sitting there at 25. On the other hand, you know, you look at State. State's sitting here at 1-1, one and one, a win over LSU, the one nothing loss last night to Vanderbilt. Warren Nolan has Vandy as a number one RPI in the country right now. UCLA 2, Georgia 3, who is um, sitting there in the winner's bracket, 2-0 and in the SEC tournament. Mississippi State is number four in overall – in the RPI standings. They're number four at 46-12 and 12 overall. So that's just kind of an update w- what the RPI looks like, at least, you know, right now going into um, – tonight's ball games so there you go that's a a look at rpi hey let me do something with you real quick remind you that you can always be a part of the show one good way to do it is you can tweet me i get around to twitter a couple times per show i am radio wyatt on twitter so just send a tweet there i'll get it read it and uh, decide if i want to put it on the air or not (laughs) and then you can also text the show at 885 espn 885 espn if you need the number, it's 885-3776. So you can always text the show. And all of our guests and callers, whether it's having a guest on the show like John Cohen or Chris Lamonis or Mike Bianco, or if it's Gator Greg or Mountain Man or somebody that calls the show, Mountain Dog, not Mountain Man, Mountain Dog, who calls the show, then uh, everybody appears on the Divinity phone Divini equipment in madison and jackson they are your kubota dealer and they're the oldest kubota dealer in the united states they've been doing it better longer than anybody else bruce and jonathan and everybody at both locations just great people and they always have these deals going on and if it's not time for you to buy they'll work out a deal and rent it to you just go get your job done bring it back and it's a great way to kind of get introduced to some of the stuff that uh, kubota has to offer so check out Divini Equipment, Madison and Jackson. The Divini phone is 995-1059. Write it down, save it uh, for later on. Before I get into the recap, that Mississippi State uh, Vandy game, the news that was breaking yesterday that had everybody 
buzzing, and you've heard it talked about in other circles uh, kind of at length now, is this merry-go-round of athletics directors in the SEC, <laughs> and it's continuing. And that is, you know, we've just had a recent trend of, you know, one SEC school hiring an AD away from another SEC school. You used to not see that very much. You're starting to see it more and more. Coaches as well. And, you know, for whatever this is, um, like I said, it's just something that's happened more with Greg Sankey as the commissioner of the league than it did before under uh, Mike Slive. But in this case, it's Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork that is uh, taking the same role and being hired by Texas A&M. So um, Ross Bjork jumping from Ole Miss over to Texas A&M. Everybody confirmed that. Um, you know, and, the, and what opened up the job at A&M was Scott Woodward, the AD there at A&M, left to take the same job at LSU, which is a kind of a, a trip back home for him. Now, Bjork is a young guy. He's just 46 years old, and he took over Ole Miss in 2012. They had some success on the field. You know, during that time, Ole Miss went to uh, two different New Year's six bowl games. They beat Alabama twice. That was with Freeze as head coach in 14 and 15. Um, we, we all understand that. You know, in 2015, they won 10 games uh, for the first time since 2003, the whole Sugar Bowl deal. But we also know that the other side of that is success on the field, but they were under investigation just about the entire – well, they were the entire time that he was the uh, athletics director at Ole Miss, and then it resulted in the penalties. They had the long NCAA investigation. It's long. It winds up now that here sits a school that suffered the two-year bowl ban, the scholarship restrictions. They had to vacate the wins from three different uh, – all of three seasons, 2012, 13, 14, and in 2016 as well. And um, then, of course, you know, the the stuff popped up where you had to fire freeze because of the FOI. I mean, so the the fact is he's he's juggled in his time in, as AD at Ole Miss a lot of different things away from the court, away from the field, all that. But they did have the wins. They just had all the, the negative recruiting stuff under his watch. Uh, the multiple programs on probation. The, the multiple programs still on probation. The um, hiring of Matt Luke as a head coach after he won the Egg Bowl. Uh, this past year, they did go hire two high-profile prominent coordinators on the staff. He's also responsible for the um, hire of Kermit Davis as the basketball coach, which by all intents and purposes appears to be uh, really going well uh, to this point. You know, and he went to Ole Miss from Western Kentucky. That's kind of where he got his start, at least in terms of being an AD. Prior to that, he, he had worked in administrations at UCLA, Miami, Missouri. So that's the background. And, you know, we all kind of know that the the fact is, I mean, there's really no way around it. The fact is, is that Ross was kind of, um, kind of looked at as not having, frankly, done a very good job. At Ole Miss. Now, did he have an incredibly tough situation on his hands? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You know, on a personal level, Ross, very nice, very engaging. Obviously, interviews well. Um, on a professional level, he always kind of came across as, you know, just – 
uh, treading water at, at every opportunity. Never really came across as the strongest leader, um, to be honest. And I, and that's not necessarily just just coming from me. Yeah, that's probably my observation too. But that's coming from a lot of the people that are Ole Miss fans and that uh, were a part of that program. And I think another issue was, you know, during what was a really tough time for them, for that school, they're going through all the stuff and the negativity of that constant NCAA investigation, the penalties, the firing the coach. Um, There were a lot of people that that felt like there were folks within uh, the Ole Miss, you know, alumni base who were out there and and successful business leaders, successful in, in at you know, at some pretty high levels, that um, he you know really had no interest in talking to or listening to. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it, a lot of that didn't work out too well. So the truth is, there aren't a lot of Texas A&M fans who are very excited about that hire. Um, there's no question that a Ross Bjork would want to get out at Ole Miss if he could get a job like A&M. There's no question. What's going on today in the reaction to it is Aggies, Texas A&M, their fan base wondering why him? And with all that background that we mentioned right there, why him and why is he going to uh, AD, to the AD spot at uh, Texas A&M? And the other thing is, too, like we said, it's just a little bit curious. Uh, the, you know, the, the constant – you know, AD from one SEC school going to be AD at another. Coach from one SEC school going to be a coach at another. Just, you know, the constant change going on there. We do know that they are recommitting themselves to football at Texas A&M. There's no question about it. They've got so much invested in the program, but so much invested in Jimbo Fisher. He has to succeed, period. No questions about it. They go out in the offseason and they rivaled Alabama and Georgia with their recruiting class, they were up there in the top five. And so they there's no question they are recommitting themselves uh, to football at Texas A&M. And, you know, if you follow uh, the helicopters on Twitter and social media, frankly, there's, a, there's an idea out there that, hey, listen, this is a team that – and a school that in regards to football and recruiting is looking at Alabama and looking at Georgia and looking at Auburn in the past and even looking at Ole Miss and going – you know, you have to, quote-unquote, play ball in recruiting. And during the time at Ole Miss when they were, quote-unquote, playing ball in recruiting, they beat Alabama twice and went to the Sugar Bowl. A&M wants to uh, figure out a way to, quote-unquote, play ball and go play in the Sugar Bowl too. And that's that's one theory <laughs> on that and say, okay, well, here's an AD who's kind of navigated it and um, maybe we'll take the experience that he learns – some of it the hard way at another place, but use that to your benefit there at Texas A&M. Whether that's true or not, the fact is that's a that's a thread, that's a conversation in this whole thing too of him going to Texas A&M. The other side of that is that now Ole Miss, in the search for a chancellor, the head of the school, is now also in the search for an athletics director. Truth about it is, uh, for years, um, this is this is the truth. For years, for the last ever how many years, there has been a void, just a complete void, of strong leadership at that university. 
And I'll say it again. Now, I'm an outsider looking in. And I'm not looking – this is not a thing where I'm looking to, you know, poke holes in something and just, you know, have fun at anybody's expense. There has been a lack of quality leadership at that place for a long time. And this is an effective reset button for Ole Miss. And so the hires that they're about to make are very, very, very important. I do think that uh, my gut just kind of tells me that Mike Bianco is probably a candidate to be the AD. Whether or not it's going to happen, I don't have any kind of source telling me that. None whatsoever. Certainly hadn't talked to Mike about it. Um, Probably won't. Not the kind of stuff I'm doing. I I just know that in the past I've had that kind of gut feeling. I had that gut feeling when Mississippi State was looking for an AD when Scott Strickland left to go to Florida. And I think I actually said it on the air at one point that it just seems like John Cohen's a fit to maybe move up into that. And then I started getting phone calls saying, hey, who'd you talk to? Because uh, you're right about this. <laughs> well, maybe it was just a lucky guess. But I I do sense that in this situation uh, at Ole Miss that Mike Bianco, who's in his 19th year as the head baseball coach and knows every major supporter at that school, has propped up that athletic department in terms of consistency for two decades might be in a position to be their next athletics director at Ole Miss. We'll see. Seems like it might make sense to me anyway. We'll keep tracking it. All right, coming up, breaking down baseball. What happened here in Hoover? Matt, Farm Bureau Studio, live at the SEC Tournament, Hoover, Alabama, on Friday. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast, friendly service. That's what you want. And that's what you get at Farm Bureau. All right, here's what happened last night. Not a lot of runs. One to nothing. Vanderbilt. Uh, puts Mississippi State in the loser's bracket here at the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. What it means here on day four, you don't have any morning games going on here at the stadium, uh, the Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. That's why I don't have a whole lot of crowd noise going on. I, I recorded some crowd noise the other night. I might just have to pump it in here for you uh, just just for effect. <laughs> but I'm about the only one here. Uh, so this afternoon you're going to have two games. And, and one of those is going to be an elimination game tonight between Mississippi State and LSU, a rematch of the 17-inning duel. And one of those teams will go home. But the reason State's there is because they lost last night to Vanderbilt one to nothing. Ethan Small, the starting pitcher for Mississippi State, just could not have been better against maybe the best lineup in all of college baseball. It's um, it's really incredible what he was able to do against um, you know Martin and Bladé and these guys that you know they pounded out eleven runs the other day in a 
a, a run rule win over Auburn. They just really are good. The number one team in the R, in RPI in the country. Blade mate, and, and Martin certainly are first round picks. Maybe number one picks for some team out there. They're just that good. And Ethan Small, the SEC pitcher of the year, goes out there last night, goes seven innings, throws 102 pitches, strikes out 11, and only walks two the entire night. So his season ERA is sitting there at 1.8. You look at strike to wall, I mean, strike to ball. Um, he threw 68 strikes in those 102 pitches. So he's all over the strike zone. Gives up the one run on just three hits. So he faces that lineup, throws 102 pitches, strikes out 11 batters, only gives up three hits. But one of them was a timely hit. A ball that's pulled down the left field line. It landed just fair. Rowdy Jordan out left kind of got a late start on it, I thought. Like, it, it, it kind of fooled him to death. When the contact was first made, you know, it looked like a ball that's going to be hit much deeper than it actually, you know, wound up going. It was not deep at all. I mean, it was really a shallow um, shot down that left field line that hung up in the air. But there was something about it that kind of fooled everybody, including uh, the left fielder, Rowdy Jordan, who got a little bit of a late break on it. Not sure, you know, how playable the ball was anyway because it landed just fair. But anyway, it was just one timely hit. And really not even a, a terribly hard-hit ball for Vanderbilt. And the difference being that Mississippi State never got that timely hit last night. State, um, at the plate, they had six hits, so they doubled up Vanderbilt in hits, but did not get the timely hit to get a run home. So State, no runs on six hits. Vanderbilt, one run on three hits. State left nine runners on base. So back-to-back games for State with tons of base runners, doing lots of good things, pitching it well, uh, you know, starting off innings, getting leadoff runners on, getting guys over to second base, but just unable to get a timely hit or a two-out hit into the gap that drives that run in and gets a rally going. Foscue had a couple of their hits last night. He was two for three. And Gilbert had a two for three night and uh, got hit by pitch. He was on base three times. But really, you kind of look at the top of the lineup. They switched up the lineup, moved Jordan Westberg down in the seventh spot. First time almost all year long, Westberg's average has dropped now below 300 after going 0 for 3 last night. They replaced him in the two-hole with Rowdy Jordan. And at the top of the lineup, you go 0 for 8. Mangum 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts. Rowdy Jordan 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts. And that's a big reason why it just didn't come together last night for Mississippi State. Here is a little of the post game after the one nothing loss, with uh, the gaggle of media, um, the ambient noise. You're going to hear that as they're standing outside the dugout down on the playing surface, talking to Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State, right after the game. I thought Ethan was great. Um, they have a ball land on him there in the second or third, but I thought he was really good all night against a really good offense. When did you see him keep a guy like uh, JJ in check? I mean, what was working for him? And I guess how do you attack a player like that? Just a good mix. And he was able to do that. He threw some nice breaking balls in there and also uh, threw some elevated fastballs. Uh, he, you know, like I said, his stuff was really good all night. What do you see from your offense right now and just the at-bats that you're getting? Well, in the last, um, probably, I guess we played a long night last night tonight. You just got to realize we're facing a lot of power arms, too. I mean, it's just, I mean, their guy was really good tonight. 
and then they come out of the bullpen with some really good power arms, and we faced power arms at the end of last night's game. So a um, little frustration maybe out of the offense, um, but they're competing. I thought we did a great job with the strike zone. We got him out in the sixth, um, but just not getting that big hit right now. When you mixed up the order and put Rowdy back in the two-hole, what's kind of the thinking there? Just to um, change it up for Westy a little bit. You know, this game can be tough on you. Backed him down, let him maybe see a little more pitches, and um, Rowdy's a good two-hole. We started the year with Rowdy there, so um, we're just trying to mix it up for Westy a little bit. With Westy. Good arm, you guys have been facing, but is there anything else like different you'd like to see out of your offense? Yeah, some more hits. You know, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just, you know, not even a hit. Just when we get runners in scoring position to put a good ball in play. Right now, we're not. We're giving up some easy outs right there. Uh, with the strikeout or maybe some soft contact, just to have a little bit better AB. With JT, what's he tomorrow? What's that? JT getting the start tomorrow. Yeah, JT will start tomorrow night. With Westy, what's he maybe telling you guys what he's seeing? What's he's not? Or is, it, is there something with his form? Is he just not seeing the ball? He's just a little off right now. He not. He, he don't say too much. He just plays hard. Um, so he's just a little off right now. We got to try to fix it a little bit. But um, the great thing about Westy, he keeps competing and playing hard. You made a decision to bring Peyton Pumley in there. Is that just to kind of get him some work before he get out of town? You know, um, with last night's game, it just it, it zapped our bullpen. So when we felt like we had a chance to win tonight. It kind of works as a bullpen for him at the end of the game. Um, and even if he had to come in earlier, we'd have brought him in earlier. But um, just last night's game just took all our bullpen arms. You'll have a chance to start him maybe later in the weekend if you're still around. Oh, I think so. Yeah, he could start on Saturday. Did it feel like one of those games where you guys were going to break through against the bullpen? Or? Yeah, I thought so. I thought when we had uh, got the two HBPs, we had a really good shot to get a run with the top of the order coming up. They just did a good job pitching to them. All right, that's a little bit of Chris Lamonis there after the ball game. Just didn't quite, you know, get the, the timely hit and uh, talked about how it, it is true. You know, he said, you know, it's not like we're, you know, it's not like we're playing early non-conference stuff. This is some of the best in the country, these power arms and, Drake Fellows was really good last night for Vanderbilt in his start uh, against Mississippi State. Went six innings and 100 pitches, 103 in, in fact. But he goes six, uh, no runs on five hits, strikes out eight, and only walked the one batter. So he was pretty good in his start last night too. And again, State, you know, five hits off their starter. He was, they just ain't able to get that timely hit to drive in that run. So you get an elimination game tonight between uh, State and LSU. LSU's there because they survived yesterday uh, against Arkansas. And, and it was – I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was against Auburn. Survived against Auburn. And that weird play where they had – they're trailing by one run in the ninth inning. And it's this voodoo – I don't know. LSU magic they have in Hoover – where they get one wild pitch, the catcher can't find it for Auburn to run scores. He's still looking. He kicks the ball away. The first baseman picks it up, throws it away, and then Drew Bianco scores. So somehow or another, LSU picked up two runs on one wild pitch and won the ball game. That's the most LSU thing you'll ever see in Hoover, here in Hoover at the SEC tournament. All right, so Ole Miss is in an elimination game, but they survived yesterday. How'd they get here? I'll tell you about it coming up next. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. Send me a tweet. I'm Radio Wyatt, at Radio Wyatt. Tweet away. Just might make the air. 
Live in Hoover at the SEC Tournament. Y'all stick around. Farm Bureau Studio is on location here at the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover, Alabama. Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. Ain't nobody here. There's nobody out here but me. (laughs) I got the windows shut. There's a few people scurrying around down there on the field, just like whatever. (laughs) Yeah, it's because there's no morning games here at uh, the SEC Tournament today on Friday. You've got afternoon games. We'll get you that schedule coming up. Um, One of the games is going to include Ole Miss, and the other is going to include uh, Mississippi State. Ole Miss and Arkansas, elimination game, 3 p.m. Central. we got rematches going on, right? So Ole Miss played Arkansas, and uh, that's their one loss so far in the SEC Tournament. We're going to rematch that one at 3 and then when that one's over, 6.30 or so tonight, we're going to rematch another one, Mississippi State versus LSU. So it's going to be interesting watching, interesting viewing. Now, it's brutally hot, getting hotter and hotter. They say the high temperature here in Hoover this weekend at some point is going to get close to 100. So, you know, if you're coming over the games, which you likely are, um, State and Ole Miss fans, you're going to pack the stadium. Sunscreen, hydrate. Find the shade, you know, just get ready. I saw one guy sitting out there, and he had one of these little battery-operated fans, and he's just kind of sitting back and had it propped up on his belly and just blowing him right in the face, uh, blowing air right in his face. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so whatever it takes, keep cool. It's going to be a hot weekend, but it's going to be fun uh, baseball to watch. Now, Ole Miss did uh, get themselves in this position yesterday with a one-to-nothing win over Texas A&M. And what was incredible about this is it's the second game in a row for Texas A&M that they lost in the SEC tournament after their starting pitcher had a no-hitter going into the latter innings of the ball game. You know, Weber back on against Georgia back on Tuesday, no, Wednesday, took a no-hitter against Georgia into the seventh inning only to give up a hit, be lifted from the game, and then two innings later, Georgia walked it off with a home run, won the game, and sent A&M to the loser's bracket. Then yesterday, against Ole Miss, Doxakis, their starter, had a no-hitter into the ninth inning, finally gives up a single there. Did I have that right? No, he didn't give up a single. They lifted Doxakis, somebody else. They put somebody else in the ninth who gave up the hit. They brought Doxakis out of there. He'd thrown 99 pitches. He he didn't give up any hits. He didn't get to complete the no-hitter, but he had 10 strikeouts. And Ole Miss scratched out a hit there. I think it was Dillard who led off with a hit in the ninth inning. And the next thing you know, Ole Miss got a big double. Uh, it drove in that run there in the top of the ninth. They were able to get the three outs and a good outing for Caracy there in the ninth inning to get the three outs. Yeah, it was Zabowski who drove in the uh, winning run. So a one-zip. Run, uh, win 
for Ole Miss over A&M yesterday after A&M took a, a no-hit bid, as a team anyway, into the ninth inning. Here's what it sounded like a little bit on the radio with David Kellum. These highlights from Learfield IMG. Shoemaker with a short lead. Casey delivers. Ground ball up the middle. Kessinger's going to glove it and get to the back throw to first in time for the double play. And he had to really hustle to beat Shoemaker at second. And then on the run, threw a dart to first base. Slow roller toward Kessinger's going to have to hurry. Charges, has it, exchanges, fires for the out. Nice play. Wow. Never take that guy for granted. Greg can really play the game. Swung on, line drive, base hit to left. Over the shortstop, Shoemake. The left fielder, Blake, will glove it and throw it in. Thought for a moment Shoemake was going to be able to get to that when he couldn't quite do it. So there's a start for the Rebels, and that ends the no-hitter. And a pitch. Swung on, line drive in the right field. Corner, it's fair! All the way to the wall. Here comes Dillard. He will score. Zabowski motors into second with a stand-up double, and the Rebels take a one-to-nothing lead. Deloach at second with two down, 2-2 to Dukoff. Rebels lead 1-0 to pitch. Swing and a miss! He struck him out, and the Rebels knock off the Aggies 1-0 in a heck of a game today. Ole Miss moves on. Texas A&M heads back to the Lone Star State. So there you go. That's what it sounded like on the radio, those calls with David Kellum from the uh, from the Ole Miss Network on Learfield IMG College. Here's a post game. Now, I've been giving you some sound from the uh, Ole Miss games on uh, post game when they do the SEC press conference. They go in and they're at the podium and they take questions and the players are there. The reason we don't have that for Mississippi State, they're playing these late games and the SEC is just not making – they're not posting that on the media website like they are the early games. And I guess it's just because they're so late, especially that 17 inning, which is kind of understanding. But here you go. This is uh, the Ole Miss version. Mike Bianco, after the one nothing win to advance in the SEC tournament, followed by Zabowski and uh, also Doug Nikhazy, the uh, pitcher who was the winner in the game for Ole Miss, who went eight innings through 107 pitches, struck out two, and gave up no runs on three hits. Here's the Ole Miss post game. Just uh, you know, I thought a gutsy, you know, tremendous performance by uh, Doug, you know, out there, and and it just shows you. Um, we talk so much about you know this league and and the competition, and you know, only on day three can you face a team that's you know ranked in the top twenty, throws you know, first rounder, and a guy that throws a no hitter, you know, uh, you know through eight and. Uh, uh, it's just a game that, you know, uh, you got to get a couple of hits, you know, maybe an error in one inning, and we got, you know, two hits in one inning. We're able to pull out the win. I'm not sure besides Doug and, and Zebo, the MVP might be Chris Giot. Uh, Chris Giot's the uh, LSU fan that cheers go Tigers all the time that you hear all over the country. Well, he got the Rebel fans going today with the Go Rebels, and so, uh, you know, uh, he might be the MVP today. Doug, what was working for you today, and was it was it difficult having kind of a counterpart that was, I mean, essentially no hitting y'all through eight innings? What was just kind of your mindset? Um, it wasn't necessarily difficult today. It was just having a like healthy mix of good pitches, and I, I don't think I ever really found it today on the mound, like having complete control of all of my pitches. But I was able to work through it. And my defense did a great job behind me; didn't make an error, and just really did a good job. And as far as Doc Sakis on the other side, just a really good performance from him. He's a 
tremendous pitcher, and I just tried to keep my mind off of it and know that our offense would pull through eventually. Doug, what would you have said to someone a year ago that tells you you're in this spot starting this game, throwing that game, and winning a game in the ninth inning like that? I I would call him crazy, honestly. That was really, that was awesome. I think it's a once in a lifetime experience for me. And personally, I I don't think I would have ever saw myself here initially, but I think it's a great, it like I have to give a lot of credit to my coaches, Carl Lafferty, Coach, Coach B, like who do a great job and got me in a position to where I could do this. Because I don't think I could, really could have done this coming in in the fall. And I think as getting me cleaned up on the mound and giving me the endurance to throw eight innings, that's a lot of credit to them. So I'm really happy for them and for me. Doug, can you talk us through what it was like coming off after the eighth inning? We saw you showing a lot of emotion there coming off the mound. Well, Josh Hall is one of my best friends on the team, and he was the first one coming out of the dugout, and I was just looking at him, and he was he was more fired up than I was. So he gives me energy. He's an energy giver. So um, you just kind of come unhinged, and you lose it, and it was just it was really awesome. Cole, what would you kind of see in that last at bat? It looked like you got a breaking ball that you put down there. Uh, yeah, he had a uh... – he had a good fastball, good breaking ball. Um, you know, after watching Keenan's at bat, he threw him a lot of breaking balls. So I was just trying to see him up in the zone and uh, hit the ball where it was pitched. All right, there it is. Post game with uh, Mike Bianco, Doug Nikhazy, the starting pitcher who got the win for Ole Miss in that elimination game with the Texas A&M, and uh, there at the end, Zabowski, Cole Zabowski, the big Zabowski. One for four on the day, but that was an RBI double. That was the game winner. One to nothing win. A&M, they are in, uh, you know, hosting territory in terms of uh, maybe being a regional host. They're actually sitting there at 17 in the RPI, according to Warren Nolan. So it's all about resume for them as compared to teams like, you know, UC Santa Barbara, West Virginia, some of those that are way on up there in RPI in front of them. Um, it would be unusual, however. <clears throat> it would, at least according to recent trends, for a team out of the SEC with a, a sub-15 RPI. Is that the right word? Yeah, sub-15 RPI to host uh, SEC teams generally 14, 15, or, or better have hosted. But outside of that, they have not. So definitely something to uh, – Keep an eye on it. Ole Miss, though, is continuing to try to win games and climb. They've climbed five spots. According to Warren Nolan, they're up at 25 right now in the RPI. And this is neutral site versus the number six RPI team in Arkansas. So a win there uh, might help Ole Miss a little bit in terms of pecking order. Still got a ways to go and not really sure they can climb enough. With enough, I don't know if there's enough games left to get them back in that hosting conversation or not. Uh, but certainly it's interesting to see. And that game is scheduled today here at the stadium. The playing surface looks fantastic. They've already, they already don't have the lined out, but they will a little bit later on. I'm looking at it right now. Arkansas, Ole Miss, 3 p.m. Central Time, first pitch there. And it will be televised, obviously, here um, uh, from Hoover. Day four of the SEC tournament. And that's it. It's going to have a busy day with some Mississippi teams later today kind of here by myself but i'm here with you in the farm bureau studio live at the hoover metropolitan stadium hour two coming up stick around